Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by Tell Me Studios for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm Fraser McGrewer and I'm here with Peter Coghill and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. And this week we're discussing how, because of the internet, nostalgia isn't what it used to be. Nick, go for it. Right, yeah. I mean, I think the reason we were discussing this recently is is that I was I was looking for I've been looking for things on the internet gradually over the last sort of ten, twenty years. Uh, gradually looking for things which are things that I sort of vaguely remember from being a kid. And of course, the more vague you remember it, uh, the harder it is to to Google it. Um, but I have pinned down nearly all of them. I've pinned down nearly everything that I have a memory of that I was kind of desperately trying to work out what it was i was remembering and um you know the things the things that so so there was a the one that one that took me a very long time was a thing called bottles it was a cartoon from the 1930s that was shown uh, at some point in the early 80s about 1980 81 and i remember watching it with my mum on a black and white tv in our flat in peckham and being absolutely terrified by this thing it was it had the really scary kind of 1930s weird there was a, a scene where a character hallucinates and sees these bottles coming to life and one of them is a skeleton it's terrifying uh, that took me a very very long time because i didn't know what it was called i just knew it was an early cartoon and then i just found it on the on the internet one day and that was it that sort of closure um and i've also there's been a few other things there was a book called starflight zero which was like a puzzle book i had when i was a kid and i could never do it as a kid um never solve it never work out what i was meant to do and then i i found it on the internet on ebay or something and i bought it and and completed it it's another bit of closure um and gradually these things are are closing down there's still a few things i don't know about there was this game which had um tom and jerry that you moved around this sort of board with magnets it was really good fun i, I haven't found any reference to that I, um so there's a few things out there but one thing i've noticed is is that um uh, there's a real first of all there's a real gap in um in the internet from before about 2005 so before roughly when um it, people got broadband and when you could have things like youtube uh it's almost like the world didn't exist it's very hard to find any evidence that that anything happened before about 2005 right that you will struggle to find news articles uh before then websites that you might remember will have disappeared um there's very the only things that you can find on youtube which have which give you any evidence for the world existing before 2005 are sort of recordings of old tv programs and things whereas after that so so in the about the last 10 years uh you can find everything everything that's happened is a video on youtube somewhere you know it's a news article somewhere and uh it makes me think and when you factor in also the fact that you know facebook means we don't lose touch with people uh the fact that you can find any book you want on you know um amazon uh that that actually the art of losing things of not being able to find things of vaguely remembering things um and uh, for those things to be mysterious and trapped in the past has gone and i worry that nostalgia has been ruined okay i'm not sure if i think there's a lot of things you said there i'm not quite sure i agree with the premise um but i think one thing that's interesting is in 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 true aleph style i think what's interesting is uh, which is that borges story with is it the the library of babel yeah so the library of babel it's not so much an issue i think there's a, a sort of an access issue here so 
there could be lots of stuff being stored all the time but how the hell do you access it in the future uh, but anyway um before we go down that avenue peter anything to add to what peter said so far about Nick, about the general sense. state of, of what he's just described and actually is there anything do you agree with everything he said uh, more or less i mean the the, the the obviously you can look on wikipedia and look up world war Two. that's been well documented yeah um but the 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 uh i think what sort of local events so the, your local newspaper so um they won't they won't probably won't bother they'll have archives but they're their offices as they have done for the last 100 years but they won't have it online so that it's sort of you know refer oh, that that cat stuck up the tree incident in 1981 you won't be able to find that on the internet very easily unless they've started publishing their archives um so Although you will be able to find a podcast reference to it yes yeah like that one just now um yeah um so yeah it, it, it there is that kind of yeah it does feel like history started around sort of around there's quite a lot from around 2000 it wasn't that much published um but now uh in comparison to today where literally every someone goes to the loo they'll tweet about it um mm. it's it, it the amount of stuff is just is astonishing but i take your point yeah the the problem with access and that's something that the historian future historians will really struggle with is how do you sort through all of these all this stuff to get to what you're what you're interested in uh and if you're interested in the frequency of people going to the loo then twitter would be great but there'd be lots of really kind of less significant stuff on there like um uh, uh arab spring and things to filter through to uh to to get to those those tweets i mean i think because i think we have talked about this issue of how we are going to store uh, electronic information and you know to preserve it um before but i think for me it's this is a sort of more of an, the emotional question really about that connection to the past and the the losing touch with the past which i feel is some something quite important about doing that um in a way that I've, i i we're almost living in this eternal present you know where everything is there all the time that you know it's in the old days if you watched a tv program you might not ever see it again now it's always on watch again or you can find it on youtube you know there's no such thing as there's a line in that lemonhead song at the outdoor type where he says what if, you know i can't go with you on a rock climbing weekend what if something's on tv and it's never shown again well that doesn't exist anymore and um i think that's sad but it anyway it sort of made me think about nostalgia and the, the purpose of nostalgia um i, I uh, struggle to think of a kind of evolutionary reason for it uh, i wonder if it's a side effect of the way that our memories are encoded because we know that um is it, it i mean it's yeah i it, think this it, is about emotion isn't it yes i mean it, the so the the uh, bit of our brain responsible is our old friend the amygdala uh, or the amygdala really because yeah, we've got two of them two. and uh, and they uh, the, the so that which are responsible for kind of memory uh, the, the way that memories are encoded but also um you know very connected to how we experience things emotionally They're right next so, door to that bit yeah exactly so we have um you know when you and that's it's one of the things that people have remarked on is the fact that songs that music and smells and things that are very visceral uh provoke much stronger nostalgia uh much stronger of a sense of a lost time and place um but uh what because i think the emotion of nostalgia isn't a straight it's not straightforward sadness it's not it's not just it doesn't make you depressed in a a way it's kind of nice it is Hmm. um and my according to the internet nostalgia used to be considered a debilitating disease it was first identified in 1688 uh as being something that's troops i think i think it was spanish troops fighting in the netherlands 
um, experienced this longing for home. Um, and it was then subsequently identified as being a problem that Swiss mercenaries suffered. Uh, and, and so essentially, yeah, it used to be about a place. So you would yeah. miss a place was nostalgia. And it's gradually turned into something more about a lost time. And, uh, yeah, it's been a long, long time intruded as mental illness. Yeah, uh, I think there is a good evolutionary purpose for it. Um, because if you're not if, on a on a quite a small scale, if you're if uh, as a nomadic race when you're trooping around looking for berries and things, um, if you find yourself in an environment where you're colder or less or more hungry or um, your your memory of previous places where you've been warm and well fed will make you seek those places out again, so you, you, it will have a, a positive effect on your chance of survival as an individual. So mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's kind of connected to a motivation to improve things to be like a time when they were better. Yes, yeah, or to and and and, may, and maybe the sort of the nostalgic effect where uh, that you have a, a rose tinted view of the past drives you towards ever more action rather than mm. just being satisfied with the amount of food and the amount of heat you've got it just causes you to think oh it used to be better than this i'll go and find more heat and more food so it drives you towards um survival improving action i i think you're onto something because um there are all sorts of things we can be nostalgic about but certainly one of them that's i guess because i think you know television uh is quite a powerful medium because of its visual and oral stimulation um and so hence that's why that's one of the things we get nostalgic about um because it's so emotive but i think you might be onto something that that's something that future generations are going to lose um they can still be nostalgic about other stuff but maybe not so much with tv programs but i mean i remember being at university and um i don't know why but for some reason reason we had a night of watching videos actual videos vcrs yeah yeah um of of kids tv programs yeah and i remember seeing bagpuss and the that in itself is just quite a nostalgic program oh goosebumps the old uh and i remember that coming up and i hadn't seen it in so i was 18 so i hadn't seen it let's say i don't know 12 years or something and i was very emotional it really uh, caught me um but now you can go as we've discussed you know you can just go on youtube and watch every episode of it and you know or any of anything it was a few years ago so i agree that and i think there's something lost there that sort of i think there's a kind of as we've described it's not just a pure sadness it's a this is a sweet sadness and i think there's i think generations now onwards will will lose on that and potentially be less complex people for it maybe but i think maybe i think it might be replaced by a, a, a similar form so you you have positive memories of watching bagpuss as a child for whatever reason but um, I just think about all the people who are really excited about the, the, the any TV show that you watch that's current, that's that's contemporary, has a release schedule, and if it's that exciting, then you'll be talking to your friends about it. So you'll have a nostalgia about the social timeliness of this, these releases. So take Breaking Bad. You know, I watched Breaking Bad several years after it came out on Netflix on demand. Yeah, easy. I can just get it. But I missed out on the the weight the the anticipation and the going to work and talking about it with people who've been watching it who and they they will be nostalgic about that they like i missed out on the opportunity there so the nostalgia the opportunity for nostalgia around media is still there but it's just yeah, it's a, a good point form. actually i mean i've never i i've never um not been able to watch uh you know films from the 90s say reservoir dogs pulp fiction you know goodfellas a lot of those sorts of you know big big films from the 90s um 
I, I, you know, I've lived through a time where I've always been able to watch them on on video or DVD or on the internet. Um, but I still get a bit nostalgic about it. And I think about it when I look back, you know, um, at the way that those films looked and actually how they've gradually aged. And those films are now looking kind of old fashioned. You know, the things that people thought were cool looking. Uh, in Which the... films are we? Pulp Fiction. Good oh, I just randomly randomly Dogs. picked on a few things. But it, it, and it's a similar thing. I mean, if you look at... Um, uh, I was watching news reports. I can't remember what, why I was looking at some of an, something that happened 20 years ago. And um, uh, the, everyone, the way everyone was dressed in the late 90s, it looks like they look, they look like, you know, poverty stricken serfs from uh, <laughs> from some <laughs> East European no hover boots. country. I mean, well, yeah. but it, it, it's funny how how you do even even actually having that media available does not actually necessarily lessen the distance you you, you experience by looking at it in a way it reinforces it you know you look at old photos of yourself and think you know blimey i used to have more hair or whatever or some hair or less <laughs> there used to be less me yeah there was less me and more hair <laughs> <laughs> um okay so look where are we going with this um i've kind of lost track what do we want to talk about what direction do we want to go in well actually on that topic i think i think one of, one of the things that we were i can't i think it was a slightly separate thing but um i don't know if you've heard of z rust but it's uh, it's a word that comes from the meaning of lif, um, which was that book everyone's got in their toilet, which is a lot of English place names with with made up definitions. And um, uh, Z rust is is defined as the particular was it kind- Douglas Adams? Yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah I think it was. Yes, it was. and this is um, the particular kind of datedness which affects things that were originally designed to look futuristic. Um, and this, I think, has become more of an issue recently because of the fact that they're remaking everything you know hollywood can't as remaking everything you've got from things like um just thinking of thinking of films like from the 80s which uh, are kind of being updated or rebooted or sequels like, are being yeah, done like, like blade runner well i was thinking of like the wherein they're in the same universe so you've got blade runner star wars for a start blade runner 2049 um uh, the uh, alien covenant where oh, so revisiting uh, yeah you've got the world so, and yeah, doing another now iteration got, now you've got a real problem there so if you take alien covenant you know this is set uh before alien right but you look at the technology in alien it's defiantly early 80s now they've tried to make it look futuristic they've so the now there's clunky crt monitors and and tappy tappy keyboards and stuff mm-hmm. but the displays they tried to make it look futuristic with that sort of 80s animated wireframe style thing mm-hmm. which you've got now they didn't displays didn't have that you right. couldn't get pcs with those displays at the time so you get them in all sorts of things you get them in um you know escape from new york uh springs yeah. to bell uh rep- Springs to mind. Uh, Star Wars, of course, with the you know the targeting computer. That yeah. that's the same style. Uh, you got it all the time in the in the eighties. Mm. This is what futuristic displays look like. And now, of course, they look phenomenally old fashioned. So, what do you do when you're making um, when you when you're making Alien Covenant and it's supposed to be set before then? Uh, you can't you can't use that technology because people aren't going to buy it as the future. People would were going to buy the Alien technology as the future, but they're not going to buy buy that technology as the future anymore. Uh, it's really problematic. So I think Ridley Scott's solution, and it's genius, really, is to totally ignore the issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not to worry too much about continuity of this yeah. kind of stuff between one film and another. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, well, I think we were wondering if they were, you know, what's going to look, what's what's going to be the equivalent in the future. 
what futuristic things are we going to look back on in 10 or 20 years time and pour scorn on mm, mm. more of a peter type area i think <laughs> well look let's kind of pose that question in a slightly different way we're sort of meandering towards some sort of conclusion um i don't know if we've already sort of discussed this a little bit but what do you see yourself as being nostalgic about about 20 years from now in terms of being nostalgic about technology or entertainment is is that a worthwhile yeah, question because it's easy to i mean i know i'll be nostalgic about my life now yeah of course i'm going to be miss the fact that my kids are still quite little and haven't left home and all of that stuff i'll be i'll be nostalgic about the stuff that was annoying you know i'll be nostalgic about that at some point like i'm nostalgic now about you know when i used to take my kids to nursery on the tube uh and it was a real pain in the bum but you know i still kind of miss it now um so that's easy but I think your question is better. What what media, what things, what experiences are we going to uh, look back on and think, oh, I wish, you know. I wish like, oh, do, do you remember when I used like to have to thing. operate Netflix with my fingers? I think it's that sort of thing, yeah. So let's take a guess. What's some of the stuff? Or like, do you remember when I used to have to, t- when I used to have to talk to Alexa? Instead of her just reading my mind. Yeah. Mm. I don't know, is this a rubbish question or a good question? No, I think it's good. I, I haven't sort of prepared an answer, but um, uh, I think, I, I wonder if it's, because we're on the urge of, the, we're on this sort of knife edge, we're on the verge of, of, of being in a situation where actually we have almost totally lost control of our presence on the internet. Um, that, that, you know, we will almost not be able to not be fairly ubiquitous and have mm. quite a large internet footprint. And uh, and I wonder if uh, we will look back on a time where, well, you know what, you could opt out. You know, you could opt out of the Internet of Things. You could opt out of social media. That uh, for subsequent generations, that's not going to be possible because they'll be so locked in to all the things that come with it. You know, uh, things like being able, you know, if you want to order a pizza, you just sign in through Facebook. Uh, and there's no other point, option. Not yeah, that, and yeah. seeing there's going to be not no other option. So I suspect I, that that seems to me like something, just like we sort of say. Well, do you remember when you used to have to walk, walk all the way to the telly to turn it on? I think I think when uh, the, a law is passed in around 2035 that no road vehicle can be human operated, there'll be people nostalgic about the freedom oh, of yeah, driving. Definitely, good one. Yeah, yeah. Good one. I mean, look. Yeah, also, do you remember when you could when you could put your foot down and break the speed limit? We can't do that anymore because the robot's doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we yeah. can't. Yeah, we can't be. We have to find other ways of being reckless. We can't yeah. in the cars anymore. But also thinking back to two thousand and three, for example. Yeah. Um, pre pre YouTube, pre Facebook, pre Twitter, pre pre smartphone, pre smartphone. Can can we even was it even possible to be alive at that time? How did we manage? <laughs> I do often wonder, like, what what the hell are I we did pre-internet when oh, we were I working. Think, no, I, well, there's think, there's a, there's I don't really know. To bring it back to a bit of science, there's yeah. quite a lot of psych- psychology that that says you're very be- you're much better at remembering the things that the really good things and really bad emotional things, and you're you you but you're very extremely poor at remembering the trivia and niff naff and annoying little things of life, and that's that's partly one of the, the sort of drivers for the the nostalgia is that you're. You remember the good times and the bad times, but you don't remember having to catch the bus or the bus being late to get to the good time. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You sort of filter all that day-to-day stuff out. And um, actually, uh, now you said that, and, and those things can provoke because they get forgotten so easily. I think when you suddenly encounter... So things like... Go, just plucking an example out of nowhere, 
going to the London Transport Museum and seeing a train carriage on there, which is, you know, a tube carriage, which was one of the ones that I used to travel on when I was a kid. And, you know, one, say the one of the ones which has the wooden slats on yeah. the floor. They're very, almost oh, Edwardian. The yeah, out. but there was a sort of Edwardian feel to some of those carriages. They were sort of wooden and looking and, um, you, you know, really totally forgotten about until you're suddenly face to face with it. And you think, God, I used to see these every day. And now that and I haven't seen one for 30 years. Yeah. Um, and then it all comes flooding I, back. I get I get that whenever I come here for the podcast recordings. So I come up from Moorgate um, up to um, Haringey, uh, and the train I get on is a really old, heavy, rolling stock, clunking um, uh, pa- passenger uh, train. Quite different to the ones in the southeast, which are much more modern. They're, they're only ten years old, sort of lightweight aluminium chassis, um, more more modern commuter train. Mm. To me, so. Day to day, the trains I get in Welling are trains. That's what a train looks like to me now. But then when I get on this old heavy rolling stock, that's like the train I used to take to London with my parents when we came on the day trip. Um, so the, the, I get the sort of twang of nostalgia there because it's like, oh, this is like this nice old train that I used to get. Okay, so that's nice. So, you know, so just um, the podcast recordings are just naturally for you a trip down mm. memory yeah. lane. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I was just, I'm just working this out saying, you know, so going back 15 years, that's 2003. Going forward, that's 2033, I think. Um, by which time I think I will hit 60 that year. But when I look back to 2003, that is really not long ago. Um, and of course, inevitably, 2033 films feels like you know the distant future. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and, and I, I guess that's one of the reasons people always, uh, you know, are much more optimistic about. Um, well, rather, people think technology is going to change faster because of the, that asymmetry. We the past feels more recent than the future feels distant, and you know, you look at things like. Um, uh, I mean, Blade Runner, the original Blade Runner was set this next year, I think. And, you know, things like Back to the Future 2 with its flying cars. And uh, that was set, what, a year or two ago, I think, or 2015. Yeah, like yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, one of the, so no, it's interesting, but you were talking about, so what do, we, what do, I, what do I miss that smartphones have ruined? I tell you, I, de- I, def- I have a good answer, which was uh, going on holiday to France, not, you know, the Congo, going on holiday to France and not knowing what was happening in the news we didn't have a tv you know staying in hotels we what you had to do was buy a two-day-old times which had sort of made its way from the times you know international press in marseille or something and you know you could go and buy the two day but find out what was happening two days ago and and you know then something <laughs> exciting would have happened you know jeffrey uh, uh, arch has been sacked and you'd be like oh that's very exciting and when you got home you would then you know we would get friends to tell you what had happened for yeah. the last two weeks because yeah. you didn't know that is an experience no one will ever have again well yeah and, and actually just to finish off i mean on a similar note i remember i moved to poland in 1995 uh, and i lived there for a year and my mum used to send me about once a week she used to send me a rolled up copy of the times um and there wasn't much to do there wasn't much to do in northeast poland apart from drink vodka and um i used to devour like I've never devoured but in, in great detail every single, uh, not just article, but advert of that newspaper and just, you know, just hoovered it all up and in a way that I never would with any kind of news that I receive now. Mm. You know? So um, have you almost finished the crossword? Yeah, not the... quite. It's, you know, <laughs> they're, they're tricky ones. They take a while. Um, OK, look, we're going to have to stop there. Peter, you look like you might want to say something. 
Well, just <laughs> if we, you we, do, please not, make it quick. Well, it won't be quick, and maybe we should leave it for another podcast. But there's lots of really interesting psychology around why, how nostalgia kind of works, and how it relates to the 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 imperfect nature of of memory. Um, uh, just just to cite a couple um, that I think is quite uh, well, just to cite one, which is, I think is particularly relevant to the way that the business that we do, the 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 analysis and the uncertainty world that we that we frequent. That when 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 past event, uh, when when you look back at past events, you know how they turned out, right? So mm. you, so you know um, uh, you know you know what happened. Um, you know you you know the log- the the logical path that the cause and effect that caused that thing to come about. Whereas when you think ahead or thinking about the, the present, um, uncertainty is inherently stressful. It's cognitively demanding and difficult to deal with. So um, that, that that's potentially why you look back on memories and you, you, you remember the outcome. You've got this nice narrative, nice consistent narrative that explains why it happened. So it's just easier, nice, a nice memory to play with rather than a present-day complicated problem mm. that you're dealing with i like that we're talking about story here and the attraction of it yeah yeah i'd say i don't mind when i think back to uh bef- while i was doing my degree and getting my results you know i remember that that day when i was getting my results was the most stressful day of my life now i they turned out to be uh, okay so uh you know but had it been the had it not been uh the result i wanted um i would look back on that with horror instead of with you know pleasure now when i look back on yeah. that morning when i was sitting there stressed out of my mind for two hours waiting for the results to come simply because i know how the story ended well we'll just say that we have different stories to tell from that day um we'll stop there um thank you very much for listening uh, i'm fraser mcgrew we've been here with peter cockle and nick Hare of aleph insights uh thank you and uh, until next time goodbye mm-hmm.